Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 175th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Rebel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. Are you there, Kyle? Yeah, I can, I can barely see you, but I'm doing great, Cameron. First of all, how was your Christmas? It was really good. Um, very busy. First Christmas with a new baby. So that's a whole new thing. I feel like I haven't slept in a week. And uh, You look great. Thanks. Appreciate it. Um, I didn't get very many gifts, but baby got lots of gifts, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, we counted up from like baby showers and now Christmas and everything, she has exactly 35 baby spoons. <laughs> wow. So we're not that's Just for shoveling food in, huh? Kind of crazy. And we have like 20 bowls and like eight sippy cups. So we're going to try to donate a bunch of stuff, I guess. Well, uh, good news is there's a there's a present on the table and you could open that. Uh, you know what? Go ahead. <laughs> Who's it from? It's, I don't know, it's a mystery present. Uh, audio listeners, we have this just big bag, says Merry Christmas on it, and reaching down in, lots of tissue paper. This is a big bag. It's a large bag. Must be a large present. Oh, and in here is a trophy. It's the SEC Pick'em Plus Nebraska Championship Trophy. It's got... Uh, 2018 Cameron Albert champion, 2019 Cameron Albert champion, 2020 Kyle DeVries champion, 2021 the Patreon guest pickers, the champions of the Missouri Sports Podcast, SEC Pick'em Plus Nebraska. They will forever be represented on this trophy. What an honor. We'll sit it right there on the desk. Congrats. Truly an incredible performance, really. Yeah. From them. Multiple players just coming in, getting perfect scores. Um, destroying us week in and week out. Yeah. I guess when you you know you have that many brains working together, good things happen. But also that just speaks to how smart our audience is and how well <laughs> they know college football. That's true. Um, Kyle, we've got um, a little bit of news. We've got we're gonna just kind of do a little bit more recap on the football season as a whole. And then we'll talk about what the basketball team has been up to. But before that, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. Leave us a rating or review on the podcast platform that you use. And if you'd like to support the podcast directly, you can do that on Patreon. You can check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Missouri Sports Pod. Kyle, first things first. I can't remember when this was announced. It's been a little bit here, but uh, Missouri's getting a transfer from Clemson, a safety uh, coming in next year named Joseph Charleston. And uh, he's actually played a bit for Clemson. I think he was a four-star recruit out of high school. He's from Georgia, and he'll be a Missouri Tiger next year. Yeah, I think he played two full seasons at Clemson and had, I think, 40 or 50 tackles in 2020 sounds like this most recent season they had like a super highly ranked uh freshman come in and kind of take his spot on the depth chart so he didn't play as much this year but still sounds like a really good player i had a clemson fan uh respond to our tweet about it and kind of give a little insight um and said said basically that he got he got uh, kind of had his job taken on the, on the depth chart by a freshman but he's a 
super solid player and it's a good pickup for for mizzou so um in a position where missouri could probably use some help next year that's going to be that's going to be nice yeah it looks like he should have two or maybe three years of eligibility two at least three maybe three with covid year yeah just throw out all eligibility with covid recently i just i don't even know where anybody stands anymore but at least least two two yeah yeah at least welcome aboard joseph um i guess that's all for news really yeah it's been a little bit quiet yeah so i wanted to talk a little bit more about the football season now that bowl the bowl game's over um we can just kind of do some reflections you know the season hasn't been over very long but i think it'll be worth it to just kind of get our thoughts out on the season as a whole and kind of coach drinkwitz first two seasons at the helm uh this year uh, missouri finished the season six and seven after the bowl loss um he in his mizzou career now is 11 and 12 overall eight and 10 in conference play and then I was kind of uh, just breaking down some of the wins and losses. Um, he's five and three in the two seasons versus the SEC East, two and zero versus uh, South Carolina and Vanderbilt, one and one against Florida and Kentucky, and zero and two against Georgia and Tennessee. And then the team in the two seasons that he's been the head coach is two and four against the SEC West. So. Um, feel free to just jump in there with your thoughts on this season and just the Eli Drinkwitz experience so far after two years. After the first year, I mean, I, we definitely maybe o- overachieved a little bit in that first season. We beat LSU and Kentucky, and I think that optimism was extremely high after that first season, maybe unreasonably so, and with just some good recruiting numbers that we hadn't seen in a while. Um, I think maybe Coach came back to earth a little bit this season as far as just some of his in-game decision making and stuff like that and again he's only been a head coach for three seasons so sometimes you have to expect some it seems weird just to say growing pains for Mm -hmm. somebody who's a head coach of an sec program but i think that that applies for coach drinkwitz here um i think he's still going to learn from some of the mistakes he made this year but you know things still seem you know as good as ever with the recruiting classes that we have now stacked on on each other the recruiting seems like something that's not going to be a problem for him i think that's right. well established so um but you know I, maybe since last year was overachieving a little bit this year was maybe what we should have expected a little bit more i think we were probably a little bit disappointed with the final result compared to our preseason expectations but i don't think obviously nobody expected the drop off on defense yeah um going from a really solid unit and um a defense that won them some games uh in Drinkwitz's first season to an absolute liability for half the year and then not awesome but good enough for the kind of the second half of the season this year yeah i don't know how much you can blame that on coach Drinkwitz at some point like the defense was utterly terrible and that was somewhat out of his control at a certain point and you know, one thing that we talked about that I think we liked that he did when he got hired was he kept some consistency in the staff in his first season. He kept Ryan Walters and David Gibbs and some of those guys. And so, uh, and he had Nick Bolton. <laughs> so that helps. Some of those things, yeah, were very helpful for his first season. And this year was almost like his first season being a coach in some ways because he had to hire a lot of new staff members. And that move was a little more tumultuous than we were expecting, but mm-hmm. it ended up working out slowly. Yeah. 
no, I think where we ended the season um, is a much brighter spot than, you know, the first half of the year. It was looking pretty disastrous for quite a while. Um, because of how bad the beginning of the season was, they still finished uh, just 13th in the SEC in total defense and opponent points per game. Uh, Vanderbilt was the only team worse in either of those categories. And then, of course, they finished 14th out of 14 in rush defense um, because they uh, Tennessee ran for, I think, 3,000 yards against Missouri. Yeah, it might have been more than that. Uh, the offense finished 9th in yards and points per game in SEC play. So not terrible, but room for improvement for sure. Um, we talked about the quarterback situation last week. Uh, Bazelak announced he's transferring. So if you missed that or just want, some, want our thoughts on the quarterback situation moving forward, last week's episode would be the one to check out. Uh, this week I want to talk about the running back room and the wide receiver group. Uh, Tyler Beatty is headed to the NFL. Um, that leaves Elijah Young, Michael Cox, and B.J. Harris as far as returning running backs. And then they add Tavoris Jones, who will be a freshman next year. Um, just obviously the season just ended. Who do you like out of that group to, do you think there'll be kind of more of a two headed approach? Um, obviously when you have a guy like Tyler Beatty, you can lean on him a lot more. I don't anticipate any of these guys averaging 25 plus carries per game. Yeah. You know, at the beginning of this past season, we, kind of, we would have said that exact same thing with Larry Roundtree leaving was. Uh, this is definitely going to be a committee with Tyler Beatty and Elijah Young and maybe even some B.J. Harris or you know whoever that third running back was. Uh, and then Tyler Beatty came in and was had more carries than Larry Roundtree probably did in any of his seasons. Right. Um, so that was a surprise. I, of course, definitely don't foresee that happening again next season. I think it for sure will just be, uh, will be a committee. Probably Elijah Young, I would assume, would be the main back. But, you know, judging by what happened in the bowl game, Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, his season was kind of weird. It's really hard to know much about any of these running backs because Tyler Beatty, there was games where, like, he carried the ball, you know, 40 times and we barely saw any other running backs. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like any two of the four could be in the top two next year. Mm -hmm. um, but it seems like Elijah Young and B.J. Harris would be, like, the most conventional uh, picks or predictions as yeah. far as the top two guys. I definitely think DeVoris Jones is the highest ceiling of those four guys, probably by a pretty wide margin. I think we'll probably see him some next year. Um, I guess it's possible he could come in and kind of take the lead role. I think we'll always see some Michael Cox too, just because I think he brings something different than any of the other ones. So might kind of continue to see him in goal line situations and stuff like that. But um, all those guys are capable players. I don't know that you have like a an alpha running back in that group, at least not maybe not yet. And if um, if Brady Cook is your starting quarterback, then you're going to have some uh, rushing upside with him as well. Um, looking at receivers, so the top four receivers in terms of receptions and yardage will all be gone from this uh, most recent squad, um, and obviously that's. Uh, Towski Dove, Kiki Chisholm, Tyler Beatty, and Barrett Bannister, although maybe Barrett Bannister has another year of eligibility. I that's a big question mark because I feel like he's been here eighteen years, but uh I, I'm not sure on that one. But I anticipate yeah. all four of those guys being gone. 
Um, and then returning, we would have J.J. Hester, Chance Looper, Mookie Cooper, and Dominic Lovett, which those four right there, that's pretty solid. But then adding uh, true freshman Makai Miller, Jamarion Wayne, and Luther Burden to that group, I think I'm pretty excited about the wide receiver room. Yeah, uh, I think Towski Dove might have one year of eligibility remaining. But, yeah, it's going to be some new faces for sure um, in the wide receiver room. And, I, you know, I think expectations will be pretty high for that group. It should be interesting to see how it plays out. And there's going to be a lot of explosive athletes, and it just may depend on how quickly the young guys can grow up And because uh, there's going to be probably probably a lot riding on those guys, maybe more than the typical freshman receivers. But you're absolutely right about Dove. He's just listed as a junior. Mm-hmm. I had it in my head as a senior. Um, Pleasant surprise then. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, considering he was one of the top, like, most targeted guys, I think we definitely will use him a lot next year. Um, I would say the wide receiver room, I think, has more options as far as just, like, guys you can count on being solid than the running back room Mm -hmm. i feel better about the wide receivers at this point going into next year than i do the running backs yeah i mean we've seen flashes from jj hester mookie cooper um dominic lovett a little bit um you know i would definitely would be nice with any of those guys being able to take a step um because i you know we luther burden will be relied upon he probably he may even start um but he's not gonna be able to do it himself there's gonna be have to be other guys that that are a factor there and um are able to draw some attention away from him right it seems weird i mean is he really going to come in and and demand attention from the defense from from the get-go do you think i don't really think so um i just i don't think it's possible i'll say it's possible that they come up with a game plan to target him like 12 times a game and you know just force feed him the ball and see what he can do yeah but that would be such a departure from anything we've seen in the passing game so far under yeah. Drinkwitz that I just don't really see that happening. I think um, I agree with you. It seems like it'll it be could s- get to that point, but probably not immediately. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe they get to a point where they like pull a Tyler Beatty with um, Luther Burden and are like, we're going to just try to get him to touch the ball as many times as possible because he's our best offensive weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing, but that's harder to do with a wide receiver than it is an elite running back, in my opinion. Um, moving on to the defensive side of the ball, we talked about how they were um, either last or second to last in the SEC in pretty much every uh, statistical category. Um, they were okay on turnovers, actually, um, but... They will be losing uh, leading tackler Blaze Aldridge, um, starting defensive back at Caleb Evans, uh, a couple of linemen at Kale Byers and Kobe Whiteside, but they'll be bringing back Martez Manuel, Jalen Carlisle, Chad Bailey, Isaiah McGuire, Devin Nicholson, Chris Abrams-Drain, Trajan Jeffcoat, Makai Wingo, um, some players that weren't used a whole lot this year. Travion Ford um, was a freshman. Kyra Montgomery got hurt, so those guys... We'll be looking to contribute more next year. And some really good pieces coming in as freshmen, although I doubt any of them will be, at this point, just forecasting. I don't see any of the incoming freshmen being like immediate day one contributors. 
maybe uh, Gracial on the on the defensive line. Yeah, he's probably the only one that that could do that on the on the defensive line there. But um, Makai Wingo, I mean, he what he did this year was yeah. pretty amazing. I mean, you just don't see that very often. Right. Uh, a, a freshman coming in and, and playing and being like heavily relied upon as a true freshman in the SEC that's, and delivering for the most part right yeah I mean he may have been our best defensive lineman by the end of the season which is just insanity um, yeah I mean obviously b- losing Blaze I think is, is going to hurt a little bit you know I think by the end of the season he was pretty consistent um, but for the most part I feel like this turnover is pretty good and get some new faces in there I think will be really good it, it seems like to me there's a lot of athleticism. There's a lot of explosiveness and high upside guys on the defense that are kind of will be implemented in over the next season or two. Um, I think there's a lot to like um, going I, forward. I especially like the defensive secondary. I think um, they were um, they were the most impressive. I think this season um, some big plays out of Chris Abrams' drain, Jalen Carlisle's. Um, then the defensive line you might say it can only go up but um i can maybe foresee isaiah mcguire and kyra montgomery providing some pressure um off the ends um successfully next year and then if uh you know wingo and gracial if wingo can take a step and uh gracial is ready to contribute day one maybe have a pretty solid defensive line uh it's the linebacker spot that obviously is the most worrisome that was kind of a deficiency for most of the season uh blaze aldridge was good at times but also seemed lost um but most of the defense did for the first half of the season um do you have any hope that the linebacker is there anybody coming in at the linebacker spot that you think uh will shore that up at all um one thing i wanted to add about the defensive line was um Darius Robinson was mm. a guy who had like a pretty good season, and I think that he and uh, Makai Wingo could kind of be staples of de- of the defensive tackles next year. With yeah, with Travian Ford or Marquise Gracie, kind of some of those talented guys being mixed in a little bit. But it seems like those two guys are are pretty much staples of the defensive line going forward. Now, what was your question to me? Uh, I'm sorry, the linebacker spot. It just has been since Nick Bolton left. It's been at times uh, a black hole and at other times it's been serviceable so do you see next year's linebacking core being closer to black hole or closer (laughs) to serviceable uh Devin Nicholson's had a little bit of an up and down career I think he still has another season of eligibility has had a lot of playing time um his kind of I don't know I think of him maybe a little bit of the old regime a little bit with Barry Odom years and stuff um you know, I think he's still going to be relied upon pretty heavily. Um, Chad Bailey was a huge right spot this year, um, so and he'll be back. Uh, one guy that I that you might keep an eye on is Damian Wilson, and he is gonna he's going to be a redshirt freshman next year. I think um, I have pretty high hopes for him as kind of a kind of a Nick Bolton mold. Um, he's not going to probably he'll probably be more on the inside, kind of a run stopping uh, linebacker, but he's definitely maybe the next uh, linebacker to keep an eye on and it's still possible that Missouri could look to add a transfer there it may be the defensive line too but I'm not 100% sure our current defensive rosters who will take in the next season um there's also a redshirt freshman or will be redshirt freshman Zachary Lovett Mm -hmm. um yeah he's kind of an outside linebacker who could definitely mix in as well 
then uh, what about Charles Hicks, uh, the transfer from Wyoming? Yeah, um, you know, I don't know a whole lot about Charles Hicks. I mean, it sounds like he lost a job at Wyoming, um, so I, I wouldn't necessarily expect too terribly much out of him, but you never know, and maybe just getting a change of scenery might be good for him. Um, he's definitely somebody who could provide some depth. Well, it sounds like whoever is the starter day one, if they're not producing, there's at least options yeah, behind sure. him. Um, uh, Kyle, I had a funny a funny thing I saw when I was looking at the stats. Um, can you take a guess which offensive player had the most tackles this year? <laughs> which offensive player? So from like interceptions? Right. Uh, well, let's think about it. So Bayslag, a lot of his throws didn't go very far. But I still feel like it's got to be like a wide receiver. Um, actually, you know what? I'll just say I'll say Tyler Beatty. You're correct. <laughs> Tyler <laughs> Tyler Beatty had three tackles. Wow. Uh, led the offense with three tackles. There was a, I think maybe uh, like Kiki Chisholm and, and Toski Dove had two, or one of them had two. Hmm. So he, he did it all. Yeah, exactly. Put that on the Heisman reel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um okay well that's just a little bit more uh football season recap to kind of sum up my thoughts on the season as a whole it it, we kind of predicted that this was possible that they would just kind of be around 500 Mm -hmm. we had hopes that they would be you know maybe a eight or nine win team potentially we didn't anticipate the defense being terrible for so long um or not even close to as bad as they were right yeah they they reached a rock bottom that i don't think we knew existed but take a couple of those non-conference games that uh should have been wins honestly if the defense was even just a little bit below average instead of absolutely horrendous then uh we're kind of where we thought they would be at the end of the year Mm -hmm. um and it'd be interesting to go back if if we could have played uh boston college you know in december then maybe it's a different story that would have actually been a great game because they would have gotten their quarterback um back as well that's true so that might have added some extra intrigue i kind of wish we would have played that game later in the season but yeah i agree with you Uh, and i mean you could probably say the same thing for the florida game too i mean a couple of games could have gone against missouri too that were that ended fortunately so uh, I was just happy to see Missouri get bowl eligible um, around midseason. I would have probably would have told you it's impossible. So I was happy for for Missouri to get to a bowl. Um, seems like hopefully the better the best days are are still yet to come. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, okay, so yeah, leave us a comment or tell us what you think uh, about the the football season as a whole. Did it meet your expectations? Is the record understandable considering? Uh, some of the unknowns and how they turned out this year Uh, let us know what you think it's crazy how at one point in the season i would have said uh get steve wilkes out of here immediately yeah (laughs) and by the end of the season i'm saying hold on to steve wilkes like with everything you can because i think at this point he's proved that uh you know after the the some of the changes they made and and with the performance improving on the field uh you know i think steve wilkes will be a great hire when we, when it's all said and done yeah uh between now and next episode i'm gonna do i'm gonna like look at the individual game performances and like the rushing yardage and just the defensive play from the first half to the second half of the season um and then i think that'll maybe 
illustrate how much better it got. Yeah. Even though the season total stats still look pretty bad uh, just because of how awful it was at the beginning. If you didn't know, Missouri's defense was bad <laughs> for a while there. Why Why can we never get the defense and the offense to be good at the same time is my question. One of these days. When was the last time that happened? Like 2013 or something? Like <laughs> just craziness. Like feels like it, yeah. Um, okay, ready to switch gears to basketball? Uh, no, I think that's the end of the episode. Well, too bad. <laughs> uh, Missouri played Kentucky last night. They lost that game 83-56. to 56. And honestly, Kentucky didn't play all that well on offense. Uh, they shot, like, I don't know. They, they, they were not as efficient shooting from the field as they typically are, and they still won by 20-something. Um, they were able to kind of mask those uh that not awesome shooting night by getting to the free throw line 26 times and making 22 of them uh, but they were under 50 percent from two under 30 percent from three uh, but fortunate fortunately for kentucky missouri was much worse than that shooting the ball missouri was 40 percent from two and 20 percent from three and only attempted 10 free throws and that's gonna that's what's gonna happen that's gonna make you score 56 points in a game yeah it seems like missouri is often on the wrong side of fouls called um just total numbers it seems like they they foul other teams a lot more than they get fouled and i don't know if that's just a result of being out athleted a lot of the times which is definitely the case uh last night and uh, notably against kansas it seems like those fouls were very lopsided as well um i mean that's just something that when you can't shoot and you're not very good at defense like you can't be that lopsided in in the foul game in a negative way yeah and you like it's when you look at the box score missouri attempted 25 three-pointers to kentucky's 17 yeah so kentucky was making kentucky's a pretty good three-point shooting team and they still were like, no, we're not going to settle for that when we can score mm-hmm. inside and get to the free throw line. Yeah, they're able to adapt, which we talked about that last week. That's usually a sign of a good team or a good coach that's yeah. able to be successful in multiple ways and adapting to your strengths. And that seems to be something that Missouri never does. Right. They just hope and pray that someday they're going to figure out how to make a three-pointer consistently. Yeah. There's no reason this Missouri team should be shooting 25 threes at this point in the no. season. We know that's not going to be... A successful way to go about things okay well tell me this what's more ridiculous uh missouri shooting 25 threes or jordan jordan wilmore playing a single minute what's more ridiculous well i think honestly shooting 25 threes is more ridiculous at this point jordan wilmore played exactly one minute and committed two fouls yeah and they just gonna keep. They're just gonna keep throwing him in there, see what happens, and then pulling him in one minute whenever he is terrible. Yeah, what's the point of that? I don't know. I, I guess it's. I see it as basically harmless when it's just one minute. It's just easy to disregard it as like something that doesn't really matter. I guess, but it just indicates that they're just hoping and praying on things that are dead. Well, yeah, that's definitely true. Um, Which both of those things are, the three point shooting too. Yeah. And sorry, Jordan Wilmer, if you heard that. <laughs> um, let's see here. Kentucky was like, did exactly what we would have expected them to do, but just like a little bit worse version of what they're capable of. Like Wheeler still had nine assists. Uh, Toshibwe still had 20 rebounds. Um, 
and their role players just kind of stepped up and made baskets when they needed it. And um, yeah, they struggled, but still just found ways to get it done. Yeah, and and maybe other ways that they wouldn't normally do it. Yeah, Tashiwa, he it seemed like he had a not a very good game in his standards. Still thirteen and twenty. Yeah, twenty rebounds. Well, he was nine for ten from the free throw line. Yep. So I think he only made two shots from the field. I think he was two for ten yeah. shooting, but made up for it by getting to the line. Now, at times it seemed like Missouri uh, was in this game for just brief moments in time, and then all of a sudden they weren't. I, I wonder why it seems, at least lately, it seems like Missouri tends to go on really good stretches and then terrible stretches. Like, their games are just filled with a bunch of runs, good and well, bad. And the bad stretches are, are worse. five times worse than, their, <laughs> than the good stretches. Yeah. Yeah, so that's exactly what happened in this game. And... They went on a little 12-0 run, and it's like, okay, they're going to maybe be competitive. No, I didn't actually think this. I promise <laughs> they you. Took the, they took the lead at one point in the first half, like late in the y- first half, right? Uh, with uh, Maybe midway through. Yeah. Uh, around the 10-minute mark, it was very close. They went up 18-17. Uh, to 17. Kentucky uh, took the lead, made it 19-18, to 18, and that sparked a 25-4 to 4 Kentucky run. So it went from 19 to 18 to 42 to 22 towards the end of the first half there. And then uh, Missouri battled back. They didn't really go on a second half run, but they just kind of chipped away at Kentucky's lead and actually looked like they could actually do something. But Kyle, I'm here to tell you that was fake. That was not real. All it was was Kentucky not making baskets for a little while. Um, and they got Missouri got it down to a 10-point game. Kentucky went on a little 14 nothing run and um that gives you your final score of 83 to 56 so i mean it's kind of a a broken record thing at this point when other teams start to struggle a little bit on offense missouri's defense is just good enough to you know chip away to lead but missouri's offense is so bad that they can't actually score when the other team is having a little bit of a drought or a dry spell and so opportunities um just get squandered and then the team the the missouri's opponent wakes up and goes on a big run puts the game away and i'm gonna look back at with i said in the preview episode that i thought the kansas illinois and this kentucky game those combined margins of defeat would be pretty impressive so I'm going to go back and look at previous seasons and see um, how that stacks up to like the three greatest losses or margins of defeat in Missouri season past. And see yeah. how it stacks up. Now, in the grand scheme of things, this might be one of the tougher games on Missouri's conference slate, right? I mean, at Kentucky, that's yeah. a that's a very difficult way to start conference season. And I think Kentucky is going to be right there at the top of the sec i think they're going to be competing for the regular season championship i agree a top like top four seed in the ncaa tournament Mm -hmm. um i i don't know i'm not going to say that i was encouraged by anything in this game but um i guess at times in the game it felt like missouri held their own i just wish they could figure out how to (laughs) they lost by like 25 points i just wish they could like minimize the just terrible stretches like for a you know a lot of the games uh it just they were they were fine but they just lose grip of everything just for a certain 
point of time. The terrible stretches are 90% just missing every shot. Yeah. Which is just incredible. Like, Kentucky scored a lot in transition in this game, too. They did. And, uh, yeah. Transition and the free throw line was... Transition from missed shots. Exactly. Yeah. And I was listening to the radio broadcast some, and uh, they were talking. (laughs) They uh, said... At one point, they mentioned uh, Mike Kelly was like, "Well, I'm back-to-back turnovers for the Tigers." And then he was like, "Wait, uh, the first sorry, the first one wasn't a turnover; it was a missed three that they just took the long rebound. Yeah, long rebound transition basket. Yep. But yeah, basically the same thing. Um, I guess uh, Brazil looked pretty good. Yeah, I mean that's he's the bright spot. He's something at the five spot." And that's a huge surprise for me, honestly. Hope and pray that whoever the coach is next season finds a way to retain Trayvon Brazil. Yeah. And, yeah. Spoiler alert. There is going to be a new coach next year, right? Like, they, they, Yeah, I think so. We can't. It's so early in the season to be talking about this. I know. It's a, we're in a strange predicament. But, yeah, like the Mizzou basketball fan base is in a strange predicament. We're literally in a strange predicament with this podcast. <laughs> in that <laughs> we have to talk about it yeah we're basically like telling we're openly discussing the fact that we think most likely Konzo will not be back next yeah. year we agree that that's what should happen yeah. but we still have over half of a basketball season is there any chance this team can improve and if so how okay here's a th- here's an idea i have to maybe see some improvement let's find five players i would prefer younger players and let's give them the bulk of the minutes in a few games in a row and see how it goes because in the kentucky game we had i'm counting real quick we had six players play between 24 and 26 minutes we had one more guy at 22 minutes two more guys at 11 minutes and then three others that played single digit just nonsense garbage minutes so you're maybe proposing there's too many people playing too many people playing and too it's too even across the top nine guys so by contrast kentucky in a game that they had pretty well in hand multiple times they had four players play 30 minutes or more one more played 27 minutes everybody else was 15 or less and you might argue like none of the players are good enough to warrant getting 30 minutes a game but first of all if you're not playing kobe brown 30 plus minutes a game you're doing something wrong right yeah yeah i have a follow-up to that but keep going so i just would like to see the the coaching staff try to find six guys that they like the most and let's roll with them for 30 plus minutes a game for a few games in a row and see what happens now uh, cornell Mann was the acting head coach last night because uh conzo has covid yeah after the game um cornell Mann was asked why um kobe brown was not playing in the first half when i don't really think he was in foul trouble and he basically, I'm trying to find the quote here, but, uh, oh yeah. Cornell Mann on sitting Kobe Brown, this is uh, Dave Matter on Twitter. Cornell Mann on sitting Kobe Brown in the first half 
after the second foul. Cornell Mann says, if you're going to win the game, you need to save him for the second half in hopes he'll come back out and play well. So, yeah, you know, set him, you know, during that 25 to 4 run and just make sure he's ready to come back. And Yeah, and he single-handedly will spark like a 30-0 run for Missouri. Yeah, yeah. he'll... He'll be fresh to dig him out of a 20-point hole yeah, in I mean, the second it, half. It's a tough spot. I mean, there's no good answers for anything uh, in a tough game. I'll tell you what. An answer that I would have been okay with is, you know, looking back on it, I should have just kept Kobe in there. Yeah, he should have said, what do you want me to do, man? That's what he should have said. <laughs> None of these players are very good. We can't make a shot. What do you want me to do, Dave? That's what he should have said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's that's regardless that's you didn't you kept him fresh yeah but he still played 24 minutes yeah yep i i think that's a good point though give uh you know shave down the amount of people that are playing yeah play your best eight players there's a little bit a lot yes there's a little bit too much platooning there's a little bit too much spreading the minutes out and i can understand you you need nobody's stepping up Mm -hmm. so throw the minute spread the minutes out and try to see if somebody can really do something with their opportunity yeah and as weird as it sounds uh and as obvious as it sounds just ride the hot hand it seems like sometimes he'll do a platoon switch out whenever uh a group is playing well and it kind of kills momentum so i think i mean that's we're splitting hairs for a team that's not very good here uh you know just talking about substitutions and stuff but i think there are ways that personnel wise they they can improve yeah, and I say play the younger guys more. I don't know. Play, play uh, Brazil 35 minutes a game? For sure. Like, n- not ironically do that. <laughs> and uh, and Brookshire, I mean, let him be your point guard. Yeah. It's not going to be worse than, you know, what we've been getting out of the point forwards that we've been trotting out there. Oh, uh, see if I have anything else fun to say about this game. Uh, Ronnie DeGray was your best offensive player. Um, he had eight points on six field goal attempts. Uh, Coleman and Davis both scored 10, but did it pretty inefficiently. Uh, that drops Missouri down to 6-7 and seven overall on the season, 0-1 uh, now with one SEC game under their belt. Uh, they've dropped to 157 in Kempom, and they've hit the number you thought they would hit. 201 on offense, 124 on defense, 355th out of 358 in three-point field goal percentage offense. Do you think they'll ever hit the 358 mark in three-point shooting? How far? I wonder how far away they are from, from I'll, the last place team. I don't know if I'll you look can. it up. Yeah, I'll find it. They it they keep shooting 20. percent It'll happen. They'll be there. Yeah, at the like amount of times they're shooting. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Three point field goal percentage. Oh, you know what? Uh, since I last looked, there's been a shakeup. Oh, no. They've jumped way up there. <laughs> now 330th. So In three point shooting? Yeah. So some, wow. some teams really. Uh, that is a massive jump. The Kim Palms database must have updated recently. Oh, this doesn't make any sense. It's showing me 356th on their team page but when i look at the whole list oh no we're there it's got to be 356 356 yeah south florida and florida a&m 
are the only teams lower. So Missouri's at 23.8%. South Florida's at 23. Florida A&M is at 22.8. So we're just one percentage point away from last in all of college basketball. Well, at least all the guys on the roster are tough. They are tough. That is true. And they're positionless. Um... Next up, we play Mississippi State at home. Mississippi State is 10-3 and three with, with wins over uh, top 60 teams, Richmond and Arkansas. And they lost to – all of their losses are to top 100 teams, Louisville, Minnesota, and Colorado State. So um, – and some familiar names on the Mississippi State roster. Um, Iverson Molinar, he has had good games against Missouri in the past. And then they also have a transfer from Memphis, uh, DJ Jeffries, who is pretty solid uh, forward. Um, Mississippi State's 36th in Ken Palm, 25th on offense, 62nd on defense. I think uh, Molinar and Jeffries are kind of like their two go-to guys. Um, they've also got a big man named Garrison Brooks, who... I think we'll just eat up a bunch of rebounds again, like we've been seeing um, big guys do against Missouri. Um, he's not as big as uh, Tashibwe or Kofi Coburn. Or Jordan Wilmore. He's not as big as Jordan Wilmore either. So maybe we have a, a mismatch there we can exploit. Um, Mississippi State also has a player named Rocket Watts, who Missouri recruited out of high school back in like 2018, and he went to Michigan State and has now transferred to Mississippi State, not playing a whole lot, but he has come up, uh, come off the bench a few times for them. What do you think? Top top 50 team, but we get them at home. They're pretty good on offense. Very slow tempo team, Mississippi yeah. State. Yeah. So maybe there's an opportunity to hang around. Yeah. Yeah, I think that you're right. I think that uh, it's possible Missouri can hang around in this game. I don't think Mississippi State is tremendously good team i think they're they are very good though they're very tough um but in a different way than missouri is <laughs> and uh, they're the kind of tough that wins basketball games that's exactly right um i think mississippi state will win this game but i think that missouri can keep it within 10 or 12 yeah um kempom says mississippi state by seven that seems a little seems generous generous um Mississippi State's just really solid in just about everything. Play with a slow tempo, but that's not necessarily a bad thing if they can own it. So maybe Missouri can... Seems like they've been bad against Mississippi State, like even yeah. when they're good, though. That's true. Um, Mississippi if, State has our number. Those Mississippi schools in general. Yeah, it, it does kind of seem that way. Um, if Missouri can get out in transition, maybe force Mississippi State to play a little bit faster than they would like then maybe they'll get something going. Um, eliminate the bad stretches. Yeah, just eliminate them, Kyle says. Yeah, easier said than done, right? <laughs> just get rid of bad play. <laughs> Seriously, though, I mean, figure you got to figure out how to mitigate those 25-4 to four runs like we had against Kentucky. I mean, it seems so obvious, but yeah, you gotta I, call a timeout or something. Well, they do a thing where the game starts to get away and then you see Kobe Brown just bringing the ball up and going ISO. And he did that a few times in the Kentucky game where he just 
forced a drive, which, you know, when it comes down to Sometimes it. Sometimes it works. You got to do, you got to try something. Yeah. And he's just kind of forcing a drive, looking for contact. And I honestly think that like college referees, when they see a guy just kind of bulldoze his way to the rim, obviously just trying to draw a foul, they're like less likely to call it sometimes. But I don't know. Um, Missouri on offense just seemed, seems so scattered and like not cohesive at all. Not, not like running an offense with any kind of flow or anything. It's just five individuals just kind of, yeah, hoping. And when they do execute, you know, good passes and like find an open man and make the extra pass and stuff, it looks really good. And they miss. But they do typically miss, but at least they set the guy up pretty well sometimes. I don't know what else to say about this basketball team. It's gonna be it's gonna be a struggle, but we'll be here for each and every game. And it's still fun to see, you know, like what we have for the future, I guess. Yeah, assuming that those guys stick around. Yeah. But also nobody is going to think it's the end of the world if none of them do well i do think that at the end of the season we will have some fun things to talk about about the future and maybe a breath of fresh air and but until that moment we will keep talking about these games sounds good (laughs) um are we done here hope everybody had a good christmas merry christmas to the uh patreon guest pickers congratulations again for getting on the trophy uh hope everybody has a happy new year and special thank you to our patreon supporters at the ten dollar level and above brit trees brian smith ryan lee tristan ben smith parker daddy jd lewis hernandez and tim keens thank you very much gentlemen uh you can find this podcast on spotify Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're on Twitter at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. You can find our t shirts and stickers on our online shop, Missouri Sports Pod.BigCartel.com. I didn't specifically say, but I do think Missouri's going to lose to Mississippi State. Oh, okay, thanks for telling us, man. But that'd be nice if they won. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week.